Tuesday, March 15th, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Million Dollar Portfolio, Dave Meyer, from income investor James Early, and from Hidden Gems, Charlie Travers. Guys, good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. Uh, once again, we're going to focus our attention on Japan. We've got growing concern that a nuclear crisis could become a nuclear catastrophe. We've got elevated radiation levels being reported in Tokyo. And the death toll from the earthquake and tsunami continues to mount. Um, obviously, we're a business show, so we're going to dig into the economic part of this story. But I want to start first uh, with you, Charlie. And I want to start with the market reaction to this. Um, the Nikkei index down 16% the past two days. It's the worst two-day drop since 1987. Um, and in the U.S., all the major indices were down as well. Um, what does the market reaction tell you about all of this? You know, usually what you see in a situation like this is just indiscriminate selling. Uh, people want to get out, and you know, you know, it's a legitimate need for uh, cash is king in these kinds of situations. Um, you know, to look at an individual company by company basis, however, is you know not to be too light or cavalier about the situation. It's these sorts of environments where the highest quality businesses go on sale. You know, I'm not saying this in a uh, profit from other people's uh, misfortune and suffering sort of way. It almost should take it as an optimistic view towards uh, recovery in the future. But you get companies like Hitachi, Nintendo, Sony, and Toshiba that are selling off massively, and a lot of these stocks are at 52-week lows. And, you know, I don't believe that these companies are going to be permanently impaired or uh, severely damaged, even though there's obviously going to be uh, some tough times ahead. Uh, You know, but from an optimist point of view, these are the kind of companies you can buy when they're being just sold off randomly for reasons that are not anything at all to do with the company themselves. James? And let me just say this. I mean, I might not be as bullish as Charlie is. I think it's going to take longer for Japan to pull out of this. But if you do... Uh, if you are interested in investing in these companies, now would be a good time. I mean, don't pull back because you think it, it's not right to to invest at a time like this. Investing in these companies is one of the most beneficial things you could do for the Japanese economy. In other words, they actually need this capital flow. So don't let the fact that there has just been an earthquake actually hold you back. But just to push back slightly, I mean, you know, one of the old adages of investing in the stock market is the market hates uncertainty. Um, we, we might be looking at um, the highest amount of uncertainty when you look not just at Japan, but Dave, as you were saying before we started taping today, you look around the world. Um, there are tenuous situations. Some of them are political. Obviously, this is sort of a, a more humanitarian situation right now, but there's a huge amount of uncertainty here. I mean, is it is it possible that um, we haven't seen the end of this? Well, it's, it's certainly possible. Um, if you look at the, the outside shocks that all the, the global markets have been through recently. We have the the uh, the uprisings in the Middle East. We have now we have the earthquake and tsunami in Japan. We have you know the financial crisis that's still going on in the periphery of Europe. Mm. If there's some, if another shoe drops, you know there aren't a lot of magic bullets that the the central bankers can pull out at this point. Speaking of the central bankers, uh, the Central Bank of Japan over the last two days has pumped 23 trillion yen into the economy. That's for you know, equivalent sake, uh, that's two hundred eighty billion U.S. Um, James, yesterday on Market Foolery, we touched on the insurance companies. Um, very few people in Japan have earthquake insurance. Um, when you look at the banks in Japan, what sort of situation are they facing? Well, Chris, the, the bottom line question is: when there something like this, who's left? holding the bag. Yeah, and if you don't have earthquake insurance or maybe there's a tsunami insurance, I don't know what, what, what the, the products are there, but if you're a bank 
and, and you've lent money to somebody or an institution is literally washed away now, as sad as that is, what do you do? Well, most of these banks are going to suffer to some degree. The degree uh, to which the, the central bank kicks in, uh, I think, is, is kind of the, the it factor. It's, it's, it's going to do something. It's doing all it can. But let's, let's remember that this is a central bank, Chris, that has been strained for the past 20, 25 years, uh, sort of trying and trying and trying to push on a string, as, as, as economists call it, to get the Japanese uh, companies to borrow more money. So it's sort of like a guy working two or three shifts already. There's not much more you can wring out. And Japan is going to have to borrow against its future, so to speak, by printing more and more money. This means they're borrowing against future credibility. So it's going to take them time, time to rebuild. I mean, nuclear things in general have not been kind to Japan. I mean, what, 65 years ago, they, they had the, the, the bombs drop, and it took within what, 35 years, they, they grew to become the second largest economy in the world, but it, it took 35 years. I don't think it's going to take that long to, to build back after this, but I think it's going to take a while. Charlie, what do you make of the fact that, um, as of right now, during the trading day, that gold is down as well? I mean, gold bugs, um, uh, you know, one of the lines on gold is that, oh, you know, in, in times of uncertainty, you know, people are going to be rushing to gold. And, and Maybe this wasn't the kind of uncertainty they were looking for protection from. <laughs> what, what are they doing with all the – they're selling stocks. We know that. But then they get cash when they sell those stocks. Where is that cash going? So uh, what we've seen today is uh, um, yields go down in the Treasury. So they're going – they're buying Treasuries as a way to say, you know, this is the safe haven of the moment. Well, but, but wasn't that like what they were looking for protection from, Dave? <laughs> Treasuries in the first place, right? It's a funny world we live in. <laughs> Um, uh, coming back to the U.S. market again, um, at one point today, the S&P 500, you know, you know, one of the metrics that gets trotted out on CNBC every day is the advancers and decliners, uh, you know, how many stocks are up versus how many are down. In the S&P 500 at one point today, 19 stocks were up, 481 were down. So on the one hand, um, I think it, it might be easy for some investors to look at what's happening in Japan's stock market and say, well, that's that's tragic, and that's unfortunate that it's dropped that much in two days. But I'm invested here in the U.S., and it doesn't really affect me. Um, Dave, I'll pick on you first. Um, how much more of a ripple effect is this going to be for U.S. investors? We'll definitely see in the future. Um, but I, you know, I think right now uh, the, the, the mood is shifting. Um, I think we've had such a huge run-up since the March 2009 lows that... And last week, we just had the two-year anniversary of the bull market. That's exactly right. And if there are things out there that are scary and you're sitting on some big profits, maybe that's a time when you're going, you know what, I'm, I'm going to back away a little bit. So I think we should see some more selling. Charlie, you agree with that? I do agree with Dave um, that after a two-year two bull market and on top of that, not just the... Uh, length of the run, but extended valuations in the small cap space I watch. There's a lot of companies at 50 to 60 times earnings. I get nervous about those kinds of situations, regardless of what the market as a whole is doing. And I think kind of a, uh, you know, if you want to be a little prudent here, looking towards large caps, um, trading at mid-teens multiples are very attractive places with solid dividend yields, which I know James appreciates. Yeah, I think we've seen over the past couple of years, the, the riskier names come back into the fore first and foremost with, with the advent of more capital in the markets, and that's left a lot of the companies like Procter & Gamble, like Kellogg's, like Clorox, kind of a little behind. I mean, up a little bit, but nothing like the rest of the market. So I think these companies could be uh, in for a rise. One, one other place where you may see a rise is if you have companies with extremely strong balance sheets, lots of cash, 
um, and no debt that can ride out this this global storm that seems to be hitting, that's another place where you could see some uh, uh, good returns. Oil companies, too, I think. You can't go too wrong investing in oil right now with all the uncertainty we have in the Middle East with the nuclear issue. And uh, by the way, I am pro-nuclear power, but you look at comp- countries like Germany, Switzerland, maybe India, who, who are at least reevaluating their commitment to nuclear energy, and frankly, they were before this incident, the stuff in Japan, too. Uh, if, if they move away from nuclear, they have to go somewhere. We're not going to stop using power, and a lot of that's going to go to natural gas, and a lot of the big oil companies are also big suppliers of natural gas. All right. James Hurley, Dave Meyer, Charlie Travers. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you, Chris. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.